Welcome to the Best Versions Virtual Summit, brought today by the Public Speakers Association. I'm so excited to introduce to you the amazing Mr. Fox Fire. Fox, take it from here. Thank you again, Tanya. Hello, everybody. I am Fox Fire, teacher, speaker, author, and a coach. And I happen to be a man, a dude, a guy, a man with cerebral palsy. And this manifests itself in me nowadays with some eyes that, that don't look like they can look at you um, both at the same time and a little bit of a crooked walk and i've had many surgeries to correct my vision and my gait over time and i wanted to share one of those uh, story behind one of the procedures with you with an effort uh, to tell you sort of what it taught about life and the best version of self so it is october 1989. Hairbands, stand-up comics, the Oakland Athletics, and the 49ers in NFL football are ruling the world. I am not. I'm having a hard time getting around, uh, hard time walking and, and standing for long periods of time. And my parents know this, and they know they have to do something if they want to keep me on my feet. My mother is in a bowling league on Wednesday nights. She shares my story with one of her colleagues, one of her bowling colleagues. They happen to know a very progressive orthopedic surgeon based in Summit, New Jersey, which uh, was and is a town over from where I live. So very close. November 13th of 1989, my dad and I ride over in my mother's blue Volkswagen bus to meet with this man, Dr. Roy Nuzzo. Dr. Nuzzo is quirky, funny, zany, crazy, and brilliant. He gives my dad a couple of options in terms of what to do to keep me on my feet. And one option is what is called a hamstring transfer surgery in which Dr. Nuzzo would go in and cut me open and detach my hamstring from the tendon and then reattach it in a way that I'd be less knock-kneed and more flexible when I walked. And in the meeting, he shows my dad and I some before and after videos of patients he's worked on before and done this surgery to. And the after video of one particular patient is amazing. They bend down to pick up a, pick up a penny on their left-hand side, and this person's body stays totally aligned. And Dr. Nozo looked at me and said, Fox, this can be you provided you go to therapy and learn, of course, how to walk again. Well, Dad and I drive back home. We park in our driveway. I get out of the car. Mom gets back in. I walk up to my room, look out my bedroom window, and watch my mom and dad discuss the various options for me. January 15th of 1990, I get the surgery done. The first thing I remember when I woke up was trying to get up, not being able to, telling the recovering nurse that I loved her, and projectile puking like I never had before and never have since. I'm in recovery for a couple of days with my legs bandaged, not casted yet, and I'm having these rip-roaring, face-melting, screaming muscle spasms every five seconds to 30 seconds. And Dr. Nuzzo walks in, he's wearing plaid from head to toe, and he's wearing cowboy boots and a cowboy hat. He's making me do all of these weird coordination exercises like tapping my head and rubbing my stomach. 
And in between one of my spasms, he, he asks me, he says, Fox, how are you doing? Good? And the biggest lie I've ever told in my life, I said, yeah, Doc, I'm, I'm doing great. And he said, okay, you're going home on Thursday. It was a Tuesday. Well, I go home for a month after I'm casted from the waist down and I get my courage up. So when I went into rehab to learn how to walk again at Children's Specialized Hospital in Mountainside, New Jersey, on Valentine's Day of 1990, this was my attitude. No one's been through what I've been through. Um, I've been through the ringer, but but I'm gonna, I'm going to show people. I'm, I'm going to get through this, and I'm going to I'm going to I'm going to come out of it better than I ever have before. Walking better than I ever have before. But again, the root of it was nobody's been through what I've been through. I, I've had a tough road. That was my attitude before I went into rehab and before I met my roommates. Here are my roommates at Children's Specialized Hospital. Andre. Andre was given a motorcycle for his 21st birthday, took it out for a spin with no helmet on, went over a patch of wet leaves, and was flung from his bike. In the collision that ensued, the first thing that Andre hit was his head. So as my roommate, Andre stood in front of me physically fine, but he lost any access to his long-term or short-term memory and was prone to some very violent and profane mood swings directed toward his mother. So one day his mother would walk in and Andre would know exactly who she was, kissing on her and hugging on her the entire day. The next day he would lock her out of the room, look at me and ask me who that person was trying to get into the room. There was Jerry, who at 16 years old, living in Manhattan, New York, went out on his bicycle to go food shopping for his mother. And on the way there, he was hit by a drunk cab driver. And like Andre, he lost any access to his long-term or short-term memory and was prone, again, to have some very violent mood swings directed toward his mother. There was Reggie, who at 14 years old stole a car and drove it into a telephone pole and was paralyzed from the waist down. There was Michael, who at age 15 walked into his parents' bedroom one night and said, Mom and Dad, I have a headache. Michael dropped to the ground. Michael suffered a brain aneurysm. And Michael lied in front of me as my roommate in a diaper, in a coma, unable to move, unable to speak. And his parents were playing him cassette tapes of his classmates wishing him well and telling him to get back to school soon. I had a friend in the very next room named Willie. Willie found himself uh, in rehab because one day he stopped breathing and Willie had a chest tube going in him just under his right armpit. I felt very close to Willie because I have a scar in the shape of an X just below my right armpit where a chest tube went in me upon my birth because I couldn't breathe when I was uh, first born. Willie had a zest for life. I don't ever remember what we talked about, but I just remember the smile that he had on his face. And I remember going to therapy with my, in, in so excited to tell my dad about my friend Willie. Well, my dad and I that day were coming to rehab through this narrow hallway getting into the room. 
And up ahead of us, we see Willie's dad, inconsolable, being held up by a couple of nurses, crying uncontrollably. Uh, come to find out that Willie, uh, it was thought that Willie could breathe on his own. Um, when he tried, he went into cardiac arrest and he died. There's not a day that goes by that I don't think about Jerry and Andre and Willie and Michael. And I'm glad to have this opportunity to share the story with you. And the point being that is that this experience changed my life. It made me understand that there are always people out there that have it tougher than I do. So here's the point. Uh, I, I think that if you want to find the best person, uh, version of yourself, Get in touch. Get involved with people that you know have it tougher than you do. This will put you in a mindset of gratitude, um, help you relax a little bit, focus on your assets, and go out there and be the best you. Best you. I'm Fox Fire, teacher, speaker, author, and a coach. I have an offer for you today. If you like what you heard, please go on my website, foxbuyer.com. That's F-O-X. B-E-Y-E-R dot com. You can fire me a message at the bottom of my page, and I would be happy to send you a copy of my book of motivational poetry called Letter Kindling. There is also an icon at the top of the page for a song that I've written called Deeper Roots. It is a free download. So either one of those two for listening today, I appreciate your time very, very much. And again, Put yourself in touch with people who have a tougher road than you do. That will get you into being the best you. And that's it for now. Tanya, 